Well, uh, my name's Andy uh, Campman. I'm on the For the Nations team, uh, and uh, happy to get with you. I'm going to finish out the Psalms. We've been going through the Psalms. Different elders of the different uh, congregations have been talking about their different uh, favorite Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 96 today. Um, but here's how I want to start, a little different. If it's your first time here, we're really glad you're here no matter what congregation you're at. If you're right here downtown or wherever you're at, we don't usually do this, but we're going to actually talk to other people, okay? Some of you are like introverts, you're like, dang it, I knew this was the Sunday I should have skipped, okay? But, but I love stories. I love stories especially where a person or a group of people gets the credit that they finally deserve. Just, just last week, uh, my son, my youngest son is 11 years old, he's going to go to a football camp, so I was like, what? what movie do you want to watch, right? Friday night's movie night in our house. He's like, remember the Titans, right? That's a great example of a group of people that finally gets the credit they deserve. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody, uh, just one, per- one other person, and talk about a story or a movie, a true story, okay? No Barbie stuff here, okay? Um, and, and, but true stories that uh, uh, probably maybe a book or a movie that you've watched about a group of people that finally gets the credit that they deserve. So that's the first Thing. The second thing is, I'm going to ask you to be just a little vulnerable, okay? I want every, every place, every congregation to do this. And I want you to talk about what are the feelings that you experienced when that, there was kind of like, finally that breakthrough, right? Many times there's like adversity, trial, it, it seems like it's all going to fall apart. And then there's this breakthrough scene or part of the story. And what, it, what, what are you feeling in that moment? Okay, ready, go. You got one minute, so share quick. Okay, switch if you haven't switched. Okay, okay, guys. How, 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 uh, shout it out, shout it out real quick. Uh, just a couple people, brave souls, shout out. How did you feel when there was that breakthrough moment? Elation. Relieved. Point, say it again. Point Break was a movie? Okay. I, I, maybe that meant something else. Sorry. And, and so you, you felt, that was a great movie. I like that movie. Um, uh, but, um, but, but there was this, this, this sense of overjoyed, right? Like you're like, yes, all, all, you're like, that's what I'm talking about, right? This, the, the happy emoji, the animated one, right? It's going crazy or the dancing one or, you know, and, and so guys, the reason I'm bringing that up is because giving credit to one who actually deserves it is all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible, and it's core to what God has for us today. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to be in Psalm 96. You can turn there if you haven't done so, um, uh, or, or flip your uh, phone on and get to Psalm 96. This is what it says. Uh, we're going to look at several verses. We're going to really look at most of it today. But it says in verse 8, Ascribe to the Lord, 
ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. God is wanting glory that is due him. So, so maybe one of the first questions we could ask is, who does he want glory from? Verse 1, if you go back up to verse 1, it makes it really clear. It says, sing, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. All the earth. God wants all the earth to worship him. Why? Because there's glory that's due him. Why is glory due God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's where we're going. And so some of you are like, hey, Andy, I, I, no, no offense. I'm sure this is going to be great, but I already know God's due glory. And I already know that he wants all the earth. To, could we just bring the bands back up to every congregation, sing a few extra psalms and call it good. And maybe we'll go to grab P. Terry's and go to the, 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 the lake with all the algae real quick this afternoon, you know? And some of you guys who've been doing stand-up paddle know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and, and you could almost walk on water, right? And, and so, um, uh, but, but no, because uh, there's two problems. There's two problems. One is a global problem and one is a very personal problem. The global problem is this. The global problem is this, the whole earth is not singing. All the peoples of the world are not yet worshiping Jesus. I think about this, the, the, this woman named Delara in Central Asia, right? She's in her 50s. Until about a month ago, she had never heard the good news of Jesus. And, 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 and in her country of over 80 million people, there are only 7,000 believers. So you think about the fall when, when like the, the, the number of people that are a part of our church is the largest, right? People are back from school. Everybody's excited. Like we're going to start fresh. And, and, and there's probably about 7,000 people across all the congregations. That's the total number of believers in this entire country in Central Asia. It's unfathomable, right? You guys have seen maps like this, Right? The green and, and, and uh, yellow represent where the gospel is and where people have access to the gospel. So it, there, there's, there's plenty of people in the green and yellow that have never heard about Jesus, but they have access, right? They have you, they have churches, they have K-Love, etc. right? I, I'm, I'm not ripping on K-Love, okay? But then there's these red parts of the world, right? The people that live among the red parts of the world don't have access, there are no believers, or very, very few, so few that, that the majority of the people that live among the red parts of the world can't hear about Jesus. They're not singing to Jesus. They don't even know singing to Jesus is an option. That's the first problem, the global problem. The second problem is that we are not enjoying all the worship that we could. We are not enjoying all the worship we could for two reasons. Number one, because of the red, because the choir is not complete, and number two, because many of us aren't joining God in completing the choir. Many of us aren't doing anything personally to see all the nations worship Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about, a way that all of us can be involved today. So how should we respond? Psalm 96 gives three responses. Psalm 96 gives three responses to this problem, both the global one and the personal one. Two are kind of the usual suspects that we've talked about and talk about regularly, but there's one that we don't talk about very often that, 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 that is just as vital as the other two. So let's walk through Psalm 96 and let the Bible lay it out for us. We'll start in verse 1. Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Again, God's heart, friends, is that all the earth would worship him. All, there, there's these things in the world. You know, when you see the word nations in your Bible, it's the Greek word ethne. It's where we get ethnic groups from. It's the idea of people groups. And there's 17,000 ethnes or 17,000 people groups on the planet. And 7,000 of those live in the red parts of the world and aren't worshiping Jesus right now. 
Verse 2, it says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. So here's the first response. What should we do about these two problems? We should tell of God's salvation day after day. So here's the questions really for everybody. Number one is, do you know the gospel? Can you articulate the gospel? Number two is, are you sharing it regularly? Maybe it's not daily, but are you on a week-by-week basis or a month-by-month basis actually talking to people about Jesus? That's one response that we, can, we, we usually talk about. Here's, here's the second response in verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. You might have noticed I, I, I keyed in on the word among, right? Because that means you have to go and live among people. Right? And, and, and inter- the internet's great, radio's great, all these other things are great, but, but, but God has a major way that he wants to reach the world, and it's the same way that he did through Jesus. You remember what, what, what's said about Jesus in John chapter 1? It calls Jesus the Word. And then in verse 14 it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The way that the gospel is going to get to the red, friends, is for people to go to the red and live among them, to learn their language and culture, to stay for a long time, and plant churches that plant churches that plant churches and as they're proclaiming the gospel. This, and, and that's really not what today's about, okay? Now, if, there, if there's some of you that are listening today or right here, and you're like, but what if that is me? We've got a whole great For the Nations team. I'm a part of that team. We'd love to talk to you. Okay, we'd love you can go to forthenations.org. You can fill out a form, and somebody from our mobilization team, long-term mobilization team, will get a hold of you, and we can talk, start, start that journey together. And we'll get you in the middle of the red in about a year and a half. It'll be awesome. Okay, that's not what today's about, unless you want it to be. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, but that's not what today. So, so the first response is tell the gospel. The second response is go. Right, So you put those two together, and verse 4 says this, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Think about some of the ways that God is great. He's great in creation, great in salvation, great in mercy, great in grace, great in the Bible, great in presence, and on and on and on. It says in verse 5, For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now, verses like that aren't so popular in today's culture, right? We're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to judge other people's stuff. And then some of you are thinking, Andy, people don't really worship idols anymore, except that they do. Except they do. This was taken in November, friends, and it's still there today. Massive idol, right? You've got kids, families, old people, all bowing down to an idol. It's happening today, friends. And in this country, in, in, in Southeast Asia, in Thailand, where this picture was taken, there's 68 million people. Less than 1% of Thailand is following Jesus. They're in the red, friends. And those people that are worshiping that idol will spend eternity in hell. Eternity apart from our great God. Friends, I know that for some of you, this is really like, um, it, it, it's, it, it's bringing up really hard questions that you have about God. And, and you're like, how can God be loving? And, and then there's hell and people not knowing. And this is the point. And God gives a part of his response. This is not what we're talking about today, but God gives a part of his response right here in Psalm 96. So look at verse 5 and 6. It says, but the Lord made the heavens. 
Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. This is just like Romans chapter 1 verse 20 where it talks about God having creation as a pointer to himself. This is, this is why no matter where you live on the planet, that, that, that you, can, you, you were made to know and enjoy the splendor that God has. Think about your summer vacations, right? Why did you go to the beach or the mountains or the Grand Canyon or whatever? Did you go there to stand on the edge of it and say, look how great I am? If you did that, we should talk after this. We've got a great counseling center and they'll help you. No, that's not, that's not what we do. We go there because we were created to enjoy something bigger than ourselves. God gave us creation to point to himself. He wants all the earth to worship him, and yet so many still miss it today. Verse 7 says this. He repeats himself like in verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So there's our first two responses, that we, we go and we proclaim the gospel. Friends, we, we need to keep doing that. And here's where we really dive in. In verse 8, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I'll read it one more time. Verse 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I love this verse because it gives the why and the what. And we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about giving. Giving. Now some of you, like giving money. Giving. And some of you, like, uh, there's, there's kind of two responses. One is a funny response. And like, it's, it's, you know, it's like Saturday Night Live. And it's like big hair. Te- like, maybe, I won't say, but, but like special um, cable channels where the guy's like, if you give today, you know, three installments, then you'll have blessing for the rest of your life. You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you, and like, big hair, gold chairs, way too much eyeliner. Some of you go there. And, but then there's other, there's a whole nother, and that's kind of funny. But then there's another whole group of us where when we, th- when we think about God and money, it's triggering for us because somebody misused it. And, 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 and whether it was us or people in our lives were hurt by, by people not talking about money and God correctly. And I just want to say I'm sorry for that. That's not God's heart. That's not the heart of this church. But here's the deal. Just because somebody has misused something doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it or do it. Amen? You think about the Bible, right? How many people have misused the Bible and yet we preach out of that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? And the same is true with giving. The same principle applies. We're gonna, we're, we should talk about money, but we can talk about it in a better way, a biblical way. And so that's what we're going to enter into today. We're going to talk about the why and then three truths that we can live in as we bring offerings or, or finances to the Lord. So first, the why. Why do we bring offerings? Why do we give money to see God worshipped? Look at verse 8 again. It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Why is glory due his name? We already mentioned his greatness. But the second reason, uh, that, and, and, and guys, within God's glory, I mean, people, we could spend the next three years on God's glory and not unpack it all. But one of the places where God's glory is the clearest is in Jesus, is in the person of Jesus. Listen to what Hebrews 1, chapter 3 says, or verse 3 says. He, Jesus, 
is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his, of his, of the Father's nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint. And so when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the glory of God. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection all are a part of the glory of God. Or look at this one in Revelation 5.9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, Jesus... For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Why is Jesus worthy? He's worthy first because he died, and love is measured by the value of the sacrifice. There's not anyone more valuable than Jesus. Number two, because of who he died for. One way to measure greatness is by the diversity of followers. And God wants all peoples of the earth, think about that for a second, not just people that look like you and me, but all, I was, uh, all the peoples of the earth to worship him. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's already beginning to happen. I was in the airport the other day and I was really, literally just looking at all these different kinds of people, all these different races of people, all these different cultures of people, right? And, and I was amazed thinking, God's like that person, God's like that person, God's like that person. And, and especially the bigger airport you go to, right? Go to a, a global city, right? And, and, and look around. And that's who God is. And he's worthy of this, of this praise and the glory that's due his name. He wants glory due his name, and that's the why we bring these offerings. So now that we've talked about the why a little bit, what, how should we, or what should we do when we bring offerings? The, 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 verse 8 and 9 point to three different things, three different giving truths that we're called to live in. The first is bring an offering. The second is share about your offering. And the third is worship through offering. Okay? Bring an offering, share your, about your offering, worship through offering. So the first one, bring an offering. Friends, Start somewhere. Start somewhere. If you're not giving an offering to the Lord financially, that's what you need to do. Just start. We're going to talk about it at the end. Start with a dollar a day, right? Just, just start somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's not even that. It's really not about the amount, but, but, but it is going to require sacrifice, right? When, when the Old Testament is talking about offering, many times they were talking about bringing a sacrifice or bringing an animal, right, that you would bring to the tabernacle or the temple, and there was death required in order for that offering to take place. And so the question is this to all of us, is what needs to die in your life in order for you to bring an offering? If you're going to start to bring an offering, something else is going to have to die in your life. And that's, and that, that, that's actually a good thing. And I know that doesn't sound appealing, but it, but it actually is. And I want Jesus to be the motivator in this one. There's this verse in 2 Corinthians, verse eight, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, where it talks about how Jesus chose poverty so that we would become rich. Anybody enjoying the richness of Jesus today? It sounded like it when y'all were singing. That you enjoy the richness that Jesus has given you. How did that happen? There was an exchange. He gave his life so that you could have life. Amen? And that's what offering is. When we bring an offering, we, we give up something so that others can have life. I think about a couple in our church who are living very simply. Right? What do I mean by that? And I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but they've chosen to just have one car. They've chosen to live close to their workplace. They've chosen to live in a neighborhood maybe they would or wouldn't live in. They've chosen to not eat out often, 
right? They, they, they live very simply so that they can support their friends who live in West Africa with their boys who are living in the sticks to tell Muslims about Jesus. They're giving up something so that others would become rich. And that's the invitation to us today. And it's not about the amount of money, friends. Please hear me say, this, like, if you're like, well, hey, Andy, I, I'm just like this poor college student. I just don't have a lot of money, you know, or I just got out of college and I, I'm just making, you know, kind of like 60000 You know that if you make $60,000 a year as a single person, you are in the top 1% of all the world's wealth? Hello. It's actually $58,000 or more as a single person puts you in the top 1% of all the wealth in the entire world. Friends, it's, and it's not about the amount. It's so clear, you know, that Jesus, there's that story with Jesus and the woman, the widow, right, that gives her last two coins. You guys remember that one? Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And, and, and this widow gives her last two coins, and Jesus is watching, and, and, and he loves the sacrifice and the surrender. Because the more that we sacrifice, the more that we're saying we trust you. The more that we're, we're, we're beginning to put all of our faith and hope in him. And so we're going to provide an easy way for you at the end of service to jump in with us. But, but you've got to start somewhere. Bring an offering. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be giving. Let me say it that clearly. If you're a follower of Jesus, and, 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 and guys, we know kind of how many people show up on a Sunday. And we know how many people, I don't know, but somebody does, knows how many folks are giving, how many giving you. And the two aren't equal. So there's a problem, friends. And, 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 and just start, start somewhere, amen? No matter what the amount, God loves when you give in faith. Okay, so bring an offering. Number two, share about your offering. Now this one, we're like, oh, no, what, what are you talking about sharing your offering? I'm talking about giving communally. Giving in a way where other people know what, what you're talking about. You're like, where do you get that? It says, come into his courts. It's not talking about his courts like God's courts. It's talking about his courts like the temple courts, like Solomon's courts, right? Solomon was the one that built the temple, right? And there was this outer courtyard. This, it was called the great courtyard. It's about the size of a football field. And it probably looks something like this right? People had their offering. This was actually taken uh, in the, it's from Central Asia, but it looked something like this. And, and it was a communal thing where people weren't hiding. Everybody knew they didn't need Google to know how much people made back in the day, right? So they see the guy down in the bottom. They're like, yeah, he makes about a million and a half. He's offering about $3,000 monthly with, with the different sheep that he's buying. That means that mug's given about two and a half percent, right? And he doesn't even have any kids at home. Whereas they look, we, we'd look and we'd say, oh, there's this young guy up here and he's got three kids. He's making about 40 grand. He's given a thousand dollars monthly and that's 30% of his income. And everybody knew what everybody made and what everybody was giving. Friends, we need to redeem this practice. We need to, now, what I'm not saying is everybody get your bank account open and show us the number, right? And then, and then type in how much you're going to give and we're going to put a little scanner up here. I'm not... We, we're not going to do that, okay? We're not going to do that. But we do need to redeem this. Now, some of you are like, some of you, especially the ones that know your Bible, you're like, hey, Andy, what about in Matthew 6 where Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing? Isn't that a thing? Aren't we supposed to keep this private? Friends, if you actually look at the Sermon on the Mount, the context of that passage is about giving to the poor and about your heart. Jesus is not saying we should never discuss what we're giving. 
It's actually encouraged. Jesus actually does it with his disciples in Mark 12. He, he intentionally chooses to set up shop right across from where the treasury was. Friends, we need to bring people into our lives and talk about money. So here's the one that I would just encourage you to do. Even right now, maybe text two or three people and just say, hey, can we talk about God and money? See, a lot of times we use Matthew 6, this not letting our left hand know about what our right hand, to hide what we're doing with our money. We don't like to talk about it. It's very vulnerable. We like to keep it back here. And the biblical way, the better way, friends, is to bring it out, at least with a group of people, and to talk about what are we giving? What are we giving to the nations? What does that look like? How is it a struggle in our lives? Let's do it together, friends. Let's do it together. That's the second one. Bring an offering. Share about your offering. And the last one is worship through offering. Worship through offering. Friends, this is, this is where we're going to spend the longest, and I really want this to be the driver of today. Because, again, for some of you, you're like, man, this, it feels like this guy's all up in my business. And I'm like, dude, I ain't in your business. The Bible's in your business. Amen? The, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven or hell. We talk about it very little, unfortunately. We should actually talk about it more so that we wouldn't feel squirmish when somebody brings up something that's talked about all the time in the Bible. Amen? Everybody's like, hey, amen. <laughs> okay, you're right. I guess you got the Bible on your side, right? It's not really fair. Guys, I, I really want us to, to, to um, see offering as worship because that's how the Bible talks about it. Look at verse 9, Psalm 96, verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. I love that God keeps going back to the enjoyment of himself as the driver. As the driver. This whole chapter is about worship, right? And so if the whole chapter is about worship and offerings in the middle of the chapter, then guess what? Offering is about worship, right? Think about how God, God is the best thing in all the categories in all the universe. Amen? And so him wanting us to enjoy him, to worship him, to give him the glory due his name is not selfish, it's loving, right? It's the most loving thing he can do to call us and all the peoples of the world to himself. Listen as I read these verses from God's perspective, right? I'm going to read it in the first person. God's the one that, that wrote the Bible, right? Inspired the people to write it. He wrote it. Let's, let's read it in first person and see how it sounds. And listen for the worship, right? And who he wants to worship him. Sing to me. Sing to me all the earth. Verse 2. Sing to me. Bless my name. Declare my glory among the nations. Declare my glory among all the peoples. I am great and greatly to be praised. Verse 7. Ascribe to me, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to me glory and strength. Verse 8. Ascribe to me the glory due my name. Bring an offering and come into my courts. Right? And verse 9. Worship me. Tremble before me all the earth. Do you hear it again and again? God is calling us to worship. He wants us to enjoy him more, friends. He wants us to enjoy him more and offering is a part of that. It's like this, it's like this worship sandwich, right? You look at verse 9. And, and at the beginning and at the end, it says, Worship the Lord. And then it says, Tremble before him all the earth. And in the middle, there's this part that, that, that's the, the, this, this part that says, In the splendor of holiness. What does that mean? What does that mean? 
It, it means this, friends. In, in the splendor of, his, of, of a holiness means in holy attire, right? If you click on the little, the little footnote on your phone or you look down at the bottom of your Bible, it says, or in holy attire. It's talking about church clothes, y'all. How many of y'all put, put church clothes on as a little guy or a little gal, right? Okay, like nobody here. Okay, some of y'all grew up in cool churches where it's great to wear flip-flops and shorts. That's great. Maybe that's like a really old thing. The other congregations know what I'm talking about, right? Okay? Um, uh, and, and some of you are like, dude, this is the first church I've been a part of. That's awesome. Okay? Um, uh, but there, there are many people that, that grew up putting on kind of their fanciest clothes. Like, I learned how to pleat my pants and hang them up on the hanger, right? So they would not be wrinkled, you know? I remember visiting uh, a friend's church in Oklahoma. I sat by this little seven-year-old boy, and we didn't know we were going to stay for Sunday, but we stayed and worshiped with him. And he was dressed in his Sunday best, you know? And he looked over at me, and I had flip-flops and blue jeans on. And this little boy, he looks down, you know, we talk a little bit, and then, and his parents are right there, don't worry, I'm not like creeping this guy, uh, um, kid. And, and he looks down at me, and he, and he sees my flip-flops, he's like, where's your Sunday shoes? I said, oh, I forgot them at home. He said, where's your Sunday pants? And I was like, oh, I forgot them at home. He looked at me, no joke, and he goes, you need to show some respect to the Lord. <laughs> it was the best, you know? And, and. And, and there's a part of that that's broken, and there's a part of that that's beautiful, okay? Because why do we have holy attire? What does the word holy mean? It means to be separate, right? To be set apart. And, and our clothes, uh, there's this Old Testament reference that when the priests, the people that were serving in the tabernacle in the temple, when they were serving there, they would have set apart different clothes so everyone would know that they were, they were, they were helping facilitate worship. We're past that. There are still some churches and, and, and um, denominations that practice that. That's awesome. What I'm not saying is that we should all come in three-piece suits and prom dresses next week, okay? I'm not suggesting that, but here's the point. Here's the point, that our money, our spending, should look different than our neighbor's. It should look different. It should look different from the outside because of what's happened on the inside so we can affect the other side. It should look different from the outside because of what's happened on the inside so we can affect the other side, friends. And, 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 and God wants our money and how we spend it to look different. And friends, I really want joy to be the motivator here. You look at verse 11 and look at what happens. What's the result of worship, right? Both now and when, when Jesus returns, the result of worship is joy. Look at verse 11. It says, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. Friends, the result of worship is joy. And if offering is worship, then offering's ultimate end is joy. Amen? Do you see how it fits together? God, God wants us. God wants us to bring an offering. And there's these two ditches. One I'm not too worried about, but one is to say, man, unless we give everything that we own, man, unless we only have one car, unless it looks this certain way, then we're, we're not really worshiping. And that's not true, right? Jesus approved different levels of giving. To the rich young ruler, he did say, you need to sell everything and give to the poor and follow me. But then to Zacchaeus, he approved when he said, hey, it's okay if you just give half and you know, uh, uh, give four times to those you cheated. Right? But there's this other ditch. I'm not too worried about too many of us giving too much. Right? 
But there's this other ditch where we, we, we don't enter in or we give too little. We give too little. And, and, and again, I, if, you, if you're brand new to giving, start somewhere, right? Start with this dollar a day thing. That's great, but don't, don't stay there, friends. The, re, the reality for many of us is that we look nothing like the widow in Mark chapter 12 who gave her last two coins to the Lord. Think about her, right? She was a widow. She was vulnerable. Women who worked in that society were not, looked, um, were not, were not held up in high regard. She was vulnerable, and then she gives her last two coins, representing her her last two bucks to the Lord. She becomes more vulnerable, and Jesus doesn't scold her. He he says, that's what it looks like to give an offering. That's what it looks like to to find joy. That's what it looks like to worship. And he's calling us to the same things, friend. You think about about, um, spare change, Right? Spare change doesn't buy much anymore. Most of us don't even have spare change. We don't even, you guys know there's these things called coins and they represent change, right? Just, just making sure we're tracking. Like very few, maybe you've got a little jar, right? But it just doesn't buy much these days. It doesn't buy much. And friends, sometimes it feels like we give our spare change to Jesus when it comes to worshiping him with our offerings. And when we worship him with spare change, we get spare change offering. We get spare change worship, I mean, which means we get spare change joy. And even worse, the, the, the peoples of the world who live in the red get spare change worship, which means almost none at all. Friends, God, God wants so much more for us. He has more joy for us. And then see, see, we wonder when we give our spare change to God, why don't I get the joy from that next trinket that I bought on Amazon? I thought it was going to be the thing, right? I finally got the iPhone 27 and I just thought it was going to make my life fulfill all my dreams. And it doesn't, right? And I'm not saying you can't have the iPhone, whatever the number is now. That's fine. But don't find your hope or joy in that thing. It won't work. Will we learn, friends? Will we learn that... that that God wants more for us. He wants more joy. He wants more worship. And therefore, he wants more offering. Friends, this isn't a high-pressure money talk. This is about you finding more joy in the Lord. God is calling us to, to radical, holy generosity for the radical, holy worship of Jesus among all the peoples. He doesn't want us to just stay in these little spots. Friends, like if we closed, said amen, and then the band got up here, and then they just sang the first line of the first song, even though we're going to sing like three or four, right? How, how, how we would be like, oh, hey, Aaron, Aaron, hey, dude, keep, keep going, right? Like, do, you want an encore? Like, we got to keep it going. We'd be like, no, we're, we're not supposed to just sing the first line of the first song, we're supposed to sing all of it. God wants more. I want to give him more. Friends, but oftentimes we don't think about that with our money, right? We're like, well, God, I, I reached the percentage. I, I, I sang 10% of the songs. Isn't that good? And friends, when we do that, we're, we're robbing ourselves joy. I hope you see it. I hope you see it from, from the scriptures that God wants to give you more as you give more to him. Okay, a couple, a couple applications, and then we're, we're done here, friends. 
Start with a dollar a day. We're going to have a QR code um, up here in a little bit, and you can give or whatever the amount is, but we'd love for you to jump in with us specifically to give to folks so that, you know, like we, we, we have this um, team that's in, um, down, down in Southeast Asia where all these islands are, and they, they're, they're, they're sharing the gospel with people that have never heard. Just uh, three weeks ago, they went to this island that had never heard the gospel. Two families believed, and now they're starting a church there. And friends, you can be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. So that, that in glory, when you, when you give to our church as a whole, that gives to our goers, right? Then, then in glory forever, you're like, Andy, is that true? Or are you just making that up? And that's actually what Philippians 4.17 says. This is what it looks like to invest in eternity, right? Paul, who's being supported by the Philippian church, says, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the credit that increases to your account. I seek the credit that increases to your, where is he talking about? Like Wells Fargo, Jerusalem? No, no, he's not. He's talking about a heavenly bank account that when the church partnered with him, that they got eternal credit for it. Man, you want eternal credit? Can you imagine the day where you get to glory and Jesus will be enough for sure? We won't need more than that. But, but, but there'll be these, 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 these moments that, that, that our, our worship is even brought to a higher level. I don't understand it all. And people from Indonesia and Thailand and Saudi Arabia and India come up to you and say, because you sacrificed and gave, I get to be here. You supported a goer that came and proclaimed the gospel to me. Thank you. My whole family said yes to Jesus. Thank you. That's, that's the motivator, friends. That's the motivator. Let, let me give you a, a couple of practical, because some of you are like, Andy, my budget's tight. I don't even know where I'd get the money from. Here's, here's two quick ones. Eating out, eating out and subscriptions, right? The, in 2022, the USDA said of, of all of the money that we spend on food, each of us, a little over half of that's spent on eating out. I think in Austin, it's probably significantly higher because we have such great food here. Think about what would it look like to give some of that up so that others could hear the good news. Or think about your monthly subscriptions, right? I read somewhere that the monthly average is $219 per month. What does it look like to take some of that, say no to something so that others would get to enjoy this glorious good news? And for, the, for those of you that are already giving, maybe there's another, maybe there's more joy. Maybe you think about, man, what, what do I put in my retirement and what it, would it look like to, to give that same amount to the nations? The same amount that I'm storing up for myself, maybe I should give that same amount to the nations for the sake of more joy, friends. So that when these people that have never heard the good news say yes to him, you rejoice because Jesus said where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Our heart follows. Guys, money has been given to us to show what and who we worship. We want our worship to be about him. And therefore, we want our money to be about him. I think we should be done. God, um, thank you. Thank you for how you've set this thing up, that we can enjoy more of you through our resources that you have entrusted to us. God, I really do pray that joy would be the motivator, that enjoying more of you, that we would get a few people in our lives that we'd actually talk to about our money. We talk about maybe how we've been hurt in the past, but then we would move 
uh, real practically to our finances. And it would become a joy. No longer would it be this thing that we don't talk about where we feel guilt and shame, but, but instead we, we would begin to challenge one another to enjoy you more and to see all the peoples of the world enjoy you more. We believe you want that to happen in our lives. So would you come and do it? Give us the strength and the courage, Lord, to take risks with our finances that point to you. That people would say, that doesn't make good financial sense. And we'd say, it makes all the sense in the world when I think about eternity. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy of our worship. I pray that we would hold nothing back. We love you, we trust you. And all God's people agreed and said, amen.